<laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Romantic Podcast, where we celebrate and inspire romanticism through many creative outlets and passionate people doing uh, artistic things. Hi, I am I am the reason the boogeyman hides under the bed. He's hiding from me. Hi, I'm Trey. <laughs> and I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Emily. Hi, Emily. I am the boogeyman. <laughs> I am. I have this kit. I sit under the bed with this box. So if you ever see a strange box under your bed that you didn't remember putting there, it's, it's mine. It's got feathers and little pokey sticks and glitter <laughs> glitter noisemakers glitter, glitter. <laughs> noisemakers yeah if you find <laughs> i could go all kinds of directions with that i'm not going to anyway thank you trey <laughs> it's you me so haunting up. you what <laughs> okay <clears throat> All right, now that I've recovered from that, uh, loosely, um, I am really excited today, Emily, because we've got some incredibly artistic people. Um, we've got, they are filmmakers, and they're incredibly, incredibly wonderful people. Uh, we were talking right before the podcast got started, and I'm super excited to get into this. Uh, will you please introduce our lovely guests today? Yes, we have two people with us today. Um, one of them is an accomplished photographer who has taught photography at the university level for many years. And she's also a filmmaker with an award-winning documentary. Um, and she's here with Paul Summerlin, who is also a filmmaker with the same award-winning documentary. Um, Paul Summerlin and Diana Michelle. Yay! Yay! Welcome! Thanks for having us, y'all. Hello. Thank you for coming. Uh, have you been to any music festivals lately? Oh, me? Yes. Yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> I was at Reggae Rise Up last month or in March in okay. Florida. And um, we go to a lot of little festivals, my partner and I. And so we have a little Spaceberry little one coming up. Um, and then Reconnection, which is like yoga and music based. And um, so usually from like mid-March till November, we go to a few festivals here and there, you know, and so I'm traveling quite a bit this time of year. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, it sounds like music's kind of a common theme here with at least the three of you. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I love music too. I, I think uh, going to a music festival sounds like a lot of fun, but I haven't been in a really long time. I haven't either. I used to play them. Yeah. But I, I, I haven't been as an audience member in many years. Because of course we hit a, we hit several of those when I was on the road with Seal back in the day. Uh, he he, there were a few festivals here and there that his you know his gig would fit, and we did a few of them, like in Canada and, and uh, Northeast America, for sure. Yeah. So what do you play? Uh, when I was with him, I played bass guitar and, and piano. Cool. Yeah. Tool. That was back in 2011, 2012, and. 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, that, that period. Very cool. That, that sounds that like fun. Years ago. Yeah. And of the instruments that you could play, I feel like the bass guitar is the coolest. So I do got to give you props for that. Appreciate it. I, my, my younger brother is the, the real guitarist in the family. And when we started making music together as teenagers, both of us were sort of learning guitar. 
and it came apparent really quickly that he had better hands for that than I did anyway. And he was getting his was becoming more facile really quickly. And so I just picked up the bass and that's just kind of how it happened. So by the time I was 15 and he was 13, he was on guitar. He was on the six and I was on the four and that was it. And it's been that way ever since. So that's really awesome. Um, what got you? I'm sorry. <laughs> For those six. that don't know, the six and the four are a number of strings, right? That's correct. Okay. Six strings referring <laughs> to the guitar and the four being the bass guitar. Sorry. No, that was like the cool lingo to say. I guess that it. was an inside musical joke. I didn't mean to make No. It was, I was like, he's on this. It's like someone says spinning on the ones and twos and not everybody knows what that really means. So right. we're good. I, we're good. We're I am those people. Uh, I am too, actually. Someone school us on ones, what ones and twos are. <laughs> We'll get it eventually. We'll figure it I'm out. We'll, we can Google Because I don't trust I don't my know. answer. I don't trust my answer. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I'm now here. Here, it's spinning on the ones. Are you Googling it? <laughs> very much so. Uh, the true meaning of the ones and twos. Uh, da, 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 da. So while you look that up. Surely the chat's going to help us out with this one, right? That's what I was thinking. How does nobody in the chat Someone's know? Someone's asking it? about Seal. Yes, the Seal as in Kiss from a Rose. I toured... With Seal, uh, that's the Seal. The guy, the the one who won four Grammys. The Seal. The yeah, the that, if that was... that's the Seal they're talking about, the tall, bald yeah. man with the scars on his face. Yeah. With the great sand and sandpaper voice, that's him. He's he was, pretty great. He's, he's an old friend of mine. Well, not we're not close, but I worked for him sure. <clears throat> for about three or four years. And my my younger brother uh, toured with him even longer than that. Jasmine said, "I think downbeats." That's ones and twos, downbeats? Ones ones and threes would be the down. Well, the downbeats would be, one, would be one, two, three, and four. The backbeat would be two and four. The upbeat would be one and three. That's one way of doing it, but it depends on what meter you're in, I guess, or how fast you're going. Right. Yeah. That's Sanders, my quick answer. Sandra said married to Heidi Klum. Yes. and Divor I Divorced in 2012. <laughs> Wow. Separated in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, very I, sad. Very sad period for them. They, they yeah. have you know, they've got four kids. And, but it's all good now. That's good. I think I found the answer. Um, so uh, spinning on the ones and twos refers to the DJ or the DJs that are on turntables because uh, turntables are normally plugged into um, inputs one and two on a DJ mixer. Oh. Right on. It's way more technical than I. Which is why thought. I wouldn't have known that. It, me neither. I've got a friend at work it. who um, who's actually a DJ, and I feel like if I admitted that to them, they would be like, "How dare you not know this? Like we've been friends for how long, and you don't know this?" Kind of how <laughs> right. Emily was offended that I haven't watched the Lord of the Rings movies until like very recently, like that level of <laughs> just. Disdain. There was another one recently too that you hadn't seen, and I was like. Oh, well, we don't have to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, I mean, what, uh, Diana, what got you into going to these different music festivals? Honestly, I had gone to a few when I was younger, in my 20s and early 30s. But then when I met my partner, he was really into that. And... Um, we just started going on a regular basis and 
that's really kind of what made me stay with him <laughs> because honestly one time we were somewhere and somebody was asking about our relationship and how we got together and he said well i just showed her a lifestyle and i facilitated that lifestyle and then it worked i'm like you know what you're absolutely right i didn't even realize that until he was talking about that to somebody else and hmm. um so it's just it's just amazing because we go to the ones that you like camp at for like three or four days so yeah. you don't have to go anywhere you can just fully immerse yourself in the whole experience and um he's got dreadlocks really long dreadlocks and into the rasta culture so um and we're really into um, conscious music as well so um, it's really inspiring to go to the type of music festivals that we go to um, and just you just leave there feeling really great and so um, it's kind of addictive and you know you start going to the same ones every year and you see the same people every year well, sure. from over, you know and you have your festy family that you camp near and you look forward to seeing every year so mm -hmm. Um, it's just became a lifestyle for us and um, really enjoy doing it. And a whole community. That's cool. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to know, because you got started in photography and you've been doing photography for quite some time. Um, and your photography has a feel to it that's a little bit, I think I read somewhere that you you like the viewer to feel a little bit haunted. Can you right. tell us a, a bit about your photography in that style? Um, sure. It's not something that I actually do anymore, or it's been a few years, actually, since I've done that kind of work. Um, but it's mostly, you know, as an artist, that's just how you deal with your crap. And that's just how I dealt with my crap for a long time. Um, would be going out there and just putting myself in danger and you know um i did that for like 15 years and it even drove me to go back to school and get my degree in fine art so i could learn more and how to do it better because um, i was so into it and so um i'd say the past couple of years when i started working with paul my whole photography has changed completely into moving pictures and so it's like abstract nature scenes, um, macro footage of like the surface of the water, for instance, doing video. Um, okay. And it's kind of like what I'm into now. Um, not that I would not ever do what I used to do, because I, I still think I'm going to, and I fantasize about doing it constantly. Every time I drive by an abandoned house, I'm thinking about when I can be back there, where would I park, like how would I creep through the woods and not be seen. Like I go through that whole fantasy in my head because I feel like I'm going to go back and do that. And then I just don't, I never do anymore. Um, Cause I think really, honestly, what I'm doing now is way more positive um, and more interesting too. And I'm kind of ready to move on and do something different. Sure. So um, I still display my work. I have like a soul show right now at the library through the gallery that represents me about some really big pieces up um but to me that's more like a retrospective of my work okay um that's that's not anything that i'm doing currently but i still show it through the gallery and people are interested in it so 
I still show it, but it's not something that I'm actively doing anymore. Sure. I get that. How does your, how is your vision for photography on an art level similar or different from filmmaking? Um, it's to me, um, I'm more into the experimental filmmaking. So that's to me, that's the ultimate art form. Um, because I can say so much more through moving pictures than a still picture. So um, honestly, the more artistic I can make the filmmaking, the more I can feel like I'm still being an artist about it. Um, even if we're just making documentary films. Right. But um, we just got done making some experimental short films. And that was to me the most satisfying um, as an artist. I I just want everyone to know that you the documentary you've made is called It's No Secret and it's available on Vimeo and you can go to vimeo.com slash Paul Summerlin <clears throat> to see it. It's uh, P-A-U-L-S-U-M-M-E-R-L-I-N and I did watch it and I have to say like it is beautiful. It you have you clearly have an eye for this and it's something that the, the nature scenes and the different, like the, the way the water reflects off rock and things like that. You were talking about the macro of the, yeah the water that is, it's really cool. And I think you've definitely found something you're made to do. I think, cause it is, I totally agree. Quite a work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And it's won I'm, awards now too. Okay. Tell us about that. Um, when we were about, I would say two thirds away of, gathering footage for the film. This would have been in 2021. Uh, Cause we started, I would say we started hitting the red button about February of that year. So it was a, a whole two years ago and, and changed that we started on this thing. Uh, so, but, but about maybe by the late summer of that year, um, <clears throat> we were already planning some fundraising activities and events to happen during the fall as we were putting together the final edit and all that stuff and the screenings and everything. <clears throat> and we were kind of building up to that. And the goal, the initial goal was let's, let's play the festival circuit. Let's do the old school thing, the art film old school thing and see what happens because there's a numbers game here that we want to try to play and it might be worth it. And so let's see what kind of money we can raise over the next few months. And then we'll, we'll, we'll take a dive with the circuit. And so we went through that whole process of, uh, in the fall of 2021, as we were finishing up the edit and then started started uh, displaying the the stills that are related to the film and some of the, the back reels and the sizzle reels and all that in art shows and whatnot. We did several shows like that. It had started having screenings in early, uh, or I should say late 2021 and early 2022. Had two or three of those and then started getting cracking with the festival thing. So over the course of maybe five to six months of 2022, um we were able to hit some some uh bullseyes in the small festivals mostly in europe we did we got very little attention in in america quite frankly um there were all the awards we won except for three were were in on on other soil uh mostly russia and europe actually Mm. uk and um there was one festival here in America, in Green Bay, in the Green Bay area, they gave us ended up giving us three annual awards: one best for best documentary, one for uh, most inspirational film, and one for best musical score. And that was the only American one that awarded us, and the rest were from you know perfect strangers. That, and I don't know, <clears throat> y'all may know about 
the, the festival circuit. It's a, it's a bit of a crazy game and a firewall. And it turns out that, you know, you, 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 you enter these things and you, you might make some hits and garner up some laurels and whatnot, but you'd never really know exactly how many people are actually seeing your movie. Oh. And you don't always necessarily get that information either. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so it's kind of a hit or miss game. It's, and it's grown into something to be fair that it really wasn't several years ago. And COVID had a great deal to do with that. And in other words, when the, when the, the film, the old school film festival, the crowds gathering in the streets and waiting in line to get a seat and hanging out at the lounges and before and after and all the photo ops here and there, the red carpets, those things still do exist. Um, but even those over the past few years have becoming more of a hybrid, uh, you know, sort of infrastructure of themselves. And during COVID, all of them did. And some of them went completely hybrid, which is to say, they became online festivals, which is to say they didn't necessarily have an audience at all. They might have just had a committee or a manager or literally one person watching your film, if that makes sense. And, and so yeah. we learn, you know, it's just something you learn along the way. But we, you know, we were able to, to be fair, we were able to throw about a thousand dollars at it, which is, you know, nothing compared yeah. to film budgets can. Just That's just for festivals alone. Okay. And considering considering that we were... That was our budget for festivals, and we were able to, you know, pick up seventeen small awards. We felt pretty good about that, and uh, and it was a, like I said, a big learning experience. And um, it's interesting because we joke now on the local level. It's strange because we get this feeling like, uh, like having all these awards makes people in the local scene make it think they it makes them think like we've already succeeded, <laughs> like the, like oh, the films sure. already made. Yeah. And actually, you, I, I actually meant to chime in a minute ago because you mentioned the Vimeo link and the Vimeo link for the, the the movie itself, the documentary, has been removed over the last two weeks because we just signed a distribution contract. Oh, um, congratulations. So That's exciting. Of, we're in the middle of that. And we're so that had to come down. You know, the words our personal means of drawing income, whether it's three dollars or four dollars off of sharing the movie that got taken down because now the contract is signed and now that this other entity is in charge of that sort of exploitation if you will i don't know all the legal dog you know jargon myself but that's uh, been done and we're in the process of putting together that final delivery they call it uh any filmmakers out there will know what we're talking about if we've done this and it is a grueling process believe me and there will be there'll be fans of your show that will know what we're saying and we are right in the middle of that right now and this is our first feature film for either either one of us and so we're learning some stuff along the way in other words when you deliver a movie ready for full worldwide just in other words the potentiality of going on those different platforms and networks and whatnot doesn't mean it's going to be on it. it's just the potentiality but you have to deliver the goods up front it gives you every potentiality of doing that, which means a lot of different things. You're not just handing over one file. You're handing over a whole big packet right. of files that are categorized different ways and all have metadata and and transcripts and markings. And it's a it's a pretty crazy. And and it's funny because the, the one of the <clears throat> one of the people in the company that we're going to be working with, who's helping us sort of through all these steps, she kind of jokes about it. She says, you know, a lot of this stuff's not even really necessary. I think they just do it to make all the filmmakers jump through hoops. <laughs> because it like because yeah. it is just this law. It's like reading a it's like reading a bill from Congress that you know they don't read the whole thing before. They 
you know, it's just one of those, right? I know we're not talking politics, but it's like a good analogy. I can provide some insight on this, actually. I was on the advisory Please. board for a film community that had a film festival. And so I signed up to be one of the people that helped judge the short films and other documentary things that came in to be, because it was, we had to go through and figure out which ones would show, which ones, you know. Yeah. Because you can't possibly, no one has the amount of time that it takes to sit and watch all of them. And so we had a committee of people that would do that. And so I'd sign up for it. And, you know, you have, I don't know, we have like a month or more, maybe it was six weeks, to sit and watch as many as you can, as much as you can, as fast as you can. You can't, you can only watch them so fast. So when you're going through them and judging that I mean it's human beings so that's tricky like you could be in a bad mood one day and that's just you picked the wrong movie because that happens on Netflix you're in a bad mood that day and you start I do it I start a movie and I go oh this is next and it could have been a great film and I'm just not in the mood so I try to keep myself in check when I go to watch like I pick a movie that's or a short film that's going to suit my mood that day so that I'm not I'm not doing someone a disservice. But yeah, there is an actual committee of people that do that. And yeah. then we put in our vote, which is actually, I believe that's anonymous because nobody wants to know who's. And there's some level of anonymity too, because you don't want, it's kind of blind. Like you don't, if I know who the filmmaker always is, or I think they give us the name of who submitted it or something. I'm trying to remember. But anyway, there's some anonymity with it so that you're not showing favoritism if it's somebody you know. And the crazy thing is, and, and I've, I've, I've heard straight from filmmakers and festival people themselves, because guess what? Most of them are both. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They're filmmakers who create these festivals because it's just the same big network of people. Filmmaker artists who have been involved as filmmakers and as festival makers, that I've, I mean, I've heard them come straight out and say it. They're like, in certain festivals, they literally don't watch more than the first five minutes. And if it checks off certain boxes, then it gets past the next person. If it doesn't tick off certain boxes, it's just thrown out. I could and see it, that and, being... Oh, I'm sorry, Trey. Go for it. No, um, it, that's fine. It's. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but anyway, go ahead, Trey. I, I could see it being true. I didn't do that that way. I felt that was right. wrong. But right. I could see people just going, yeah, next. Go ahead, Trey. I'm sorry. Right. For me, it I kind of see that uh, from like a playwright standpoint because there are so many people who will go through hundreds and hundreds of different scripts and before they kind of decide on a show or producers who will read potential the next of uh, the next Broadway hit, and I have legitimately talked to a couple that are like, yeah, if that if I'm not hooked by the first couple of pages, move on to the next thing, and the meat and the potatoes of it. Like the thing that people keep coming back for could be stuck halfway in the middle. And if it doesn't catch their attention immediately, no one will ever get to see it until someone takes the opportunity to watch it. Right. Or to read all the way through it. Yeah. And it's a, we're, we're dealing with time and sometimes time means money to people and there's all kinds of reasons. There's an industry going on. I had a, I had a distributor person tell me once to my face that, that, uh, and certain people's opinions and certain lines of of the industry just they, if they if they look at it and they see it's a documentary they just they, well those don't make money, and that same person will turn around and sign a film based on its title not knowing anything about the the film yeah. just by the title like the title said something like 
Danger in the Desert or some something like it was obvious some kind of genre film. And oh yeah, we'll buy that one. But we don't we didn't we didn't pitch that one to you. That's okay. I like the title. We'll buy it. So tell us what or tell our audience what distribution means for you. Like what what does that do? Well, for people it, who don't it, know. Yeah, it it doesn't mean what what it might mean this for a a songwriter or a band because I've done that too. Uh I've been in that that realm of things as well since mm-hmm. since I was in my 20s. But um with film is it a, it is a little different. The industry is so huge, but the the basic understanding of it for me and for us is this. This is a, a group of people that are already in the club, if you will, the industry. They have the connections with it because the, the entities morphed and changed over time it, within the industry. Be, you know, between the years of only having movie theaters and then only having VHS tapes and theaters, and then from there on and on to the online, everything in between. The industry has maintained its network uh, dendrites, if you will, its tentacles. And so the people who are able to hand your movie over to a potential buyer, a potential uh, streamer platform, they take the reins over. They don't necessarily promote your movie, but they plug it in and then chase down the money that's streaming down, the trickling down the the stream, the resource stream, which is a very complicated process which i don't understand but the distributor people do is my yeah that's why they're they're distributors right and and we 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 sat on our uh our offer for what for a while for several months okay it it, we wanted to it was daunting at first and overwhelming and understand and we we searched for a a live person for a long time to help us sift through it and that, that was that was tricky um we were able to finally get it done, but as it turns out, this as any with any contract, we're we're talking about a language that normal people like you and me don't really speak. I mean, there may be you guys may be attorneys, I don't know, but it's not English. It it looks like English, but it's not. And so, and we are we are as artists as artists can be when it comes to that kind of stuff. We're and so we're the first people that are afraid of getting screwed over. But of course. Um, so you have to have people look it over and check the fine print. And as it turns out, most of these contracts, if they're if the people you're dealing with are honest, they're they're legit because you know all the snags have been carved out over the years, and they, they still look pretty crazy. And you can still amend them and change them, and they're pretty complicated. But basically, what they do is they shop your film to the companies that can show it to the world or to whatever their audiences are. And if your film matches their set of genres for their company. Then they take it on and then they sign a certain number of years and then it goes from there. Cool. Um, and it's a, and the contract that we would have with the distributor is for also a certain number of years and then to be renewable. Okay. And in other words, it's not like a manager. It's not like a promoter. It's not like mm-hmm. a marketer. That's not what they are. And they're not a film studio either. Right. Now that particular, particular distributor that we are working with is also, is also, a manager and an owner for production company. And this is, this is typical, you, you know, people who are in film often do wear multiple hats, but his production company is a separate thing from a distribution. He did not produce our film. We produced our film, but he is distri- helping distribute it. If He's just getting sense. it out there. Right. Yeah. Anyway, back to y'all. Oh, that's fine. I hope that helps. 
Absolutely, it did. And yeah. I think it gives our audience kind of a nice insight. We don't often get to see some of the worlds or our audience may not always get to see some of the, the backstage secrets that are out there. So I think it's really helpful for them to understand that. And it's helpful for even me to, to understand that. So the next time that I get invited to go to the Tribeca Film Festival, throwing that out there to the universe, hoping that I do, uh, right. I will have a, a better appreciation for all the hard work that goes into it. Now, from my perspective, um, thinking about all the different films that I've put out there, um, and I want to ask you both for your input on this question. We recently had a guest on our podcast, um, Tom Paradise, who said, and I want to make sure I get this quote correct, that art should provoke. So my question to you with the art that you're creating how do you like your art to provoke? You want to start, not finish? I'll start. Go ahead, um, please. For me, um, it's more about the visual part because I'm the, you know, the photographer, the videographer, if you will. And um, so I'm just trying to make art with the film camera. And, and when it comes to Paul, it's completely different. Like he comes into that scene that I set up or whatever, especially when it comes with our experimental films, because that to me is the most freedom I have to, to be an artist. Um, but um, I think it's completely different for me and Paul because of, we have completely different roles in this. And that really when it comes to him being a part of the, film he is stepping into the artwork if you will and then his part is completely different um so i'll let him explain that yeah i want i i, I suppose if i had to to set up the lofty goal the high bar for us to reach you know we want we want the art of seven diamond mudra which is the name of our partnership our company or whatever okay the things that we do which which involves more than film and involves body work and healing and yoga and all kinds of other things. But the, the, the artistic goal of seven diamond mudra of this, it's no secret project and, and subsequent projects is to provoke healing and, and illumination and um, spiritual growth uh, primarily and um, wisdom. We want to provoke those things and we want to provoke what, the, well, I, I describe it, I just, I've often described it to Diana this way, and I th we may have talked about this in some of the interviews we've filmed, but, or the podcast or whatever, but it's, um, it's this idea that the artist in the postmodern world is seen as and expected to be almost this crazy person, this neurotic that spins these glorious works of art out of the neurosis every day. And they remain this crazy person, if you will. And we have perfect examples of this, you know, since the 1960s of all our celebrities of all different types. And, and our contention is in seven, and you can imagine based on the subject of our movie, why I'm, you know, why this is my stance, because this mm -hmm. is a, this is a project that fell in both of our laps that has changed our lives. And it's, it's more than just a project. It's become something far bigger than for us anyway, than, a, than just a movie. It's, sure. it has literally changed who we are. 
and the process of going through it and what we are still going through because of it is this song. It is like we've been picked up by this this boat or this car or this plane or this magic carpet and we're on it and it's this bumpy crazy. And so it so naturally for us, the the goal to provoke is that is to to somehow share that with with our audience, with the world, with others, so that they might carve that into their own lives to say, hey, we, you know, we don't have to stay in erotic in an erotic place to be a good artist. We can we can come out of that and make great art that actually transcends our demons and transcends our egoic weaknesses and transcends our mental illnesses and mm-hmm. mental disorders, which, of course, is a big subject of our documentary. Um, so if we're trying to be provocative in any way, that's where it starts for us. And of course, you know, to riff off of what Diana said a minute ago, there's various ways that we do that. And, and, and in, in the way that she tends to take pictures and then to be fair, in the way I like to write music much of the time, there's going to, there's going to be dark undertones and dark overtones to that. This Mm -hmm. is not a, this is not a fully lighthearted subject. It's heavy. And, our goal of creating art and being expressive and expressing ourselves is to uh, come out of the heaviness ultimately. And I think that's a really great way to put it and that there's uh, the stereotype of the tormented artist who's creating this incredible work of art. Yes. And I think that it's like a piece of negative feedback. You could have received a thousand glowing reviews of something and it's that one that one little like meh, negative piece of feedback that discolors everything in your brain about about this particular subject and i think that's kind of the same when it comes to art there are so many glorious moments of beautiful pieces of of art but the thing that sticks in our mind are those moments of when people are um, at their biggest form of neuroses or however you would like to describe that that particular negative moment and i don't think that's often the case um so i like that you i like that you called that out and i think that's important to remember that we have all have great days we all have bad days and that both can provide equally beautiful beautiful pieces of creativity somebody just wrote in a chat life is made of light and dark i love that because we we just had a we just had a weekend of, of events uh, in Springdale, Arkansas. We were workshopping our new short films, and one of our one of them is, is an interactive live film that includes dance. And we're, we just began workshopping this incredible piece that hopefully will have some shelf life for us, as well as his short films. But another thing that we workshopped over the weekend was a lecture meditation that I put together that involves some of this nature footage, and some background sort of chalkboard type classroom stuff and intermingled in this long meditation uh, lecture that I put together. And it was about the subject of light. And, and someone in the chat just mentioned light and dark being, you know, well, and, and if we look quickly at the, 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 the word light and the, it's, it's Egyptian root is the word Ra as in Amen Ra. And of course the, 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 the word Ra is in the word dark backwards. The word for light, the original Egyptian word for light is in the word dark reversed, which I find interesting. We don't have time to go far into that. But I was cued in, I clued into what someone said over there because we just literally did a lecture on this subject. 
of light and dark and and what the light is and its its foundations in creation and its foundations in divinity and all these sorts of things. And we use in the lecture, which we're going to be turning into a film version of, a podcast film type version of it, uh, involves these these macro super close up footage uh, footage uh, shots of of uh, nature doing all these crazy things with light cool. and shadow. So it's, you know, it's right on the money. This person who's talking to the chat is right, right. on the money. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Jasmine um, said, Oh, I'm sorry, Trey. Don't go for Were it. Were you going to read that? Nope. <laughs> Jasmine said in the chat, Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Remi- <laughs> I can't speak English. Reminds me of yang and yang and yang. This sounds fascinating. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jasmine. <laughs> In the 3D world, I'll just uh, since they since they're getting into, I'll just give them a little bit more of my take. In the we, you know we we come into we come into physical being in the human body. We are infinite souls, if you will, having a temporary experience in the Earth life as a as a human creature, and in that existence, we are experiencing everything in a three dimensional way: up, down, left, right, all of that, front, back, and with a sense of linear time. A temporal light in its divine essence is beyond that. And so in our temporality, the only way we can experience light is to have dark as its opposite. So we, you know, in other words, you don't know the light without the dark being there. But it's also conversely, once you shine the light on a dark corner, you're gonna have to see what's in the dark corner. Like the boogeyman under the bed. Oh, I'm sorry, Trey. <laughs> no, get out of my head. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I think that's really one of the difficult things um, for artists in particular is to confront that. Um, so I think having the conversations can be difficult, but how you go about that, I think is up to the person. Um, as long as you're having those conversations with yourself and doing so in a safe environment with people that you trust, um, <laughs> it's, and that is as I think politically correct as I can say that statement. Yeah. Uh, and now with that kind of in mind, um, the, how, what was the question I was going to have? Uh, oh, there we go. Sorry, that's okay. That is my own neuroses working. Uh, because <laughs> I'm thinking through, like, uh, I feel like half the time I feel like Doctor Strange inside of my own head. Like, that's because you are see... Doctor Strange. Stop it! <laughs> I was gonna say, Miss, this might spark it. You never know. Uh, the, I would say that that everything that 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 Diane and I do artistically together mm-hmm. is an outgrowth of us helping each other with our spiritual growth and with our stuff and with our neurosis and with our addictive personality issues and our, all the stuff that we all deal with in the modern world. That's where it starts in our friendship and our sort of brother sister relationship, helping each other through the stress. And then we make art together, but it's like the whole thing is founded in the friendship. We're trying to make each other better people and trying to lift each other up. And that's like why the film became such an obsession for us and why the seeking out certain particular types of images in nature we were drawn to because it was like bringing us into this place of healing and we're like oh my god we gotta follow this this is working 
and, and you know, and the whole time we were going, this is so hard. This is so difficult. It's so painful because I keep letting go of all this stuff that I don't need to be carrying around anymore in my life and in my mind and in my past. And, and it's hard to let go. And, and it's like the whole process. We've been feeling that happening. It's just been incredible. That's one thing I wanted to ask Diana. When you're filming, I don't know if you have these moments, so I kind of want to hear if you do and what that's like for you. You have, Trey and I have done photo shoots together before too. Not so much filmmaking, but photo shoots. And when there's that moment when like the sun hits the right angle or the, the trees are doing the right thing or whatever, and you just, everybody knows in that moment on set that this, this is the coolest this is the magical moment and it's so cool to just be there let alone capture it do you did you have moments like that too do you have moments that go yes this is why i do what i do every time now yeah which is interesting because with my older work my black and white stuff i hardly showed any of that work um maybe just a couple of photos a year because it's very particular um about that work because it really had to speak to me for anybody to see it at all. Um, so those 15 years of taking those kinds of pictures, a very small portfolio, if you think about it, um, maybe a hundred photos total over 15 years. Okay. Um, so that's for me, that's, makes me feel so different because nowadays every time we go somewhere or if I just go by myself and go to the creek with my camera and I'll just get lost out there for hours and do it and I'll come back and I have stuff every time that I'm proud of. So that's a huge difference for me Um, and it's way more satisfying than doing what I used to do and working so hard for it and then feeling like I didn't, I risked my life all day and didn't get anything, right. you know, and then I would be mad and upset and then go out again. And then maybe I would get something and I'd be okay for a little while. And it was, that's the little game I played. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just happening all the time. And so it's way more satisfying. Um, and she has a huge cheerleader. Cause I'm like going, Oh my God, this is stunning. Right. That helps too. That's awesome. You mentioned what the, the something about your question. I'm gonna, I'm probably paraphrasing, but like you get in the zone. So by getting in the zone, you just know something is, just you just know it. I I'll give you an example. This was two years ago. We were out at one of our favorite spots. It's a really difficult spot to get to, but we got it was we went there twice and got some incredible pictures, which ended up in our our, our feature. But it, it, there was a particular moment we were we were filming what I call ricochet spray paint, which the sun comes off the water and goes up on the rocks and just all the crazy patterns, which we love to shoot because it's really meditative and amazing and trippy, if that's the right word. But anyway, we were in one of these spots that was just spectacular. And I was sort of getting in the shot. She was going to put me in the shot or whatever. But meantime, she was honing in on this insane, just glorious light reflecting up on the bluff that was just like 20 feet wide and just making all these, you could just get lost in it. And, and I was piddling around. I looked at, I looked over but after a few minutes, I, she was setting stuff and I looked over at her and, and it looked like she had seen a ghost. Like she was half asleep and she was halfway leaned over, like, like something had stunned her and she was about to pass out. And I was like, Oh God, we're, you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. It's July and she's overheating or something. It's bad. Something bad's going on. Yeah. And I, 
And we were about to, as far as I knew, we were about to hit, roll them, whatever. And I looked over and she just looked gone. And I was like, oh no, we got to get some water or something. And I said, Diana, are you okay? And I had to say it like two, three, at least twice, Diana. And she goes, come over here and look at this. <laughs> she was just I gone. love that. And I was like, oh my God, roll tape, let's go. She goes, I'm already rolling. That's awesome. And she was just completely flabbergasted by this little two inch thing she was looking at because she just knew it was the perfect photo. And it's a, it's a particular image that we've used over and over again in some of our stuff. That's so, yeah, like how nailed, it should be. You nailed yeah. that one. You nailed that question. And I've seen it. For anybody, uh, for, for anybody here, for everybody listening, the, on your Vimeo, the top banner is that, uh, what did you call it again? The where the ricochet light ricochet spray paint. Ricochet spray paint is yeah, and, on and the to, top to of your. Fair, my my long name for it is God's ricochet spray paint. But you can leave the you know if you don't want to leave that out. It's it's because it's, it's not a reflection. It's a ricochet because of the reflection is just when it's right on the water or right on the leaf. But when it goes on the water directly and then the water ricochets to the rock, that's when you get the insane looking stuff that you see in a lot of those clips that are on the Vimeo page. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. There's a particular, there's a particular, I, I, be, I believe it's public. If it's not, I, I'll, I'll kick myself, but I, I think we have a video up there called entering the stream, which shows some really cool uh, mm -hmm. collection of that, those real close up reflection type ricochet stuff on the Vimeo page. Right. And I, the trailer, the, 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 one of the, the long trailer for the film is on there too. I think that sense of wonder, I have only ever seen that happen of the photo shoots that I've assisted Emily with. I've seen that happen three times. Uh -huh. Oh, um, three times. I don't even know times. about this. Uh, um, Emily, I will share with you them with you um, at a later time. Okay. But we've talked about the one like the infamous one mm -hmm. uh, that's what uh, i was thinking there would be one right multiple times um but it's that uh, ultimately what i'm trying to say is you know it when you see it because there's electricity in the air and you just kind of go oh yes um so it is beautiful. And when you see that happen, for those that are listening on our on our podcast, when you see that happen, when you see the gleam in their eye, that electricity spark in the air, just go, yes. And give them the space to do it. It's, it is a work of art in and of itself. You know, I talked about the, all, of, all through our weekend of our, our workshopping, we had some small audiences and some really nice uh, discussion and Q&A after our, our, our things. And um, one of the subjects that came up a couple, more than once, really, uh, is um, this, and I, I, I tend to describe it as the dangers of film and filmmaking, because the if we if we were to if we were to look back at the at the Buddha's teaching, particularly, it's described in some of the deep writings and discourses that the eyeballs, particularly as the senses go, all the different senses of the human body, the eyeballs particularly are the most tricky. They can, we can be the most tricked by our eyes. I could finger snap next to your ear and put you on a blindfold and put you in a cave and you can still hear it if your hearing works properly, but I can fool your eyeballs because people do it all the time with sleight of hand. Mm 
And we know that TV does it all the time. We know that Hollywood does it all the time. And so if you add another iris to that, which is the camera lens, you're going one step out. And so if you're trying to trick somebody, oh, you could do it because it's another iris on top out extended from the iris that we already have, which is turning everything backwards in the back of your mind anyway to, to make it proper because what we're looking at is not really what we're seeing. We got to flip it. And so you take a lens with the wrong intention. This is my contention that the wrong intention, when you point a camera at something is a very dangerous thing, but if you have the right intention, it can lead to the greatest and deepest wonder and beauty and truth. And so it's just like, I guess you could say that about anything, about food or love or sex or spiritual, you know, if used improperly, it could be for good or ill, right? Light or dark. There you go. And we don't know one without the other. In the physical, we don't. Very true. And like you said, it's you must have both. So from that, like from that sense of wonder, from that sense of like creativity and um, and watching the two of you create such a beautiful film, um, what I do want to ask um, is what are some things that really inspire you? Obviously nature. Yeah, I was about yes. to say number one. Nature and you know, I never I don't even take nature photographs now. I've never been a nature photographer. There's a lot of people that are doing a really great job at that. And my job always felt was to make something that's not beautiful beautiful. And that's what I always did with the abandoned house stuff was to find something really ugly and turn it into something beautiful. And so for me, that's why it's so much easier now because it's so easy to see the beauty in nature. So it's nature has replaced, I would say for both of us, nature has replaced many things that used to do that for us. And now it's nature all the way. It is the greatest medicine mm -hmm. in life getting back in and we go deep as you can imagine by looking at some of those images if you saw him some of that stuff's really deep and we got to go way out to get it in some oh, cases I bet. sometimes it's pretty dangerous yeah so is uh, when you're out there when you're out there filming or at least for your it's no secret documentary was there a part when it was difficult or you had a challenge that you felt <laughs> with filmmaking that you felt actually made you better or actually improved the uh the art of the film somehow i feel like if that makes almost sense. every time we go we have a challenge some are bigger than others um so you know you're out in nature deep and we get injured or lost and both <laughs> of those things have happened really you uh, got lost yeah, I mean, it happens. Sure. I mean, I've been lost in the woods, too. I'm not judging. <laughs> no. And I've been, I've been hurt. I've been hurt a couple times, several times. Yeah. What? Had a couple of dangerous spills, falls, you know. Sure. Trying to, and you're not even, you know, we're not necessarily even trying to be unsafe. We've done a couple of things that I wouldn't necessarily do again to go get a shot somewhere. Sure. She would do them again, but I won't necessarily do it again. Uh, well, yeah, she was used to risking her life, so this oh, is far yeah. safer. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's she's ready to go. And 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 to be fair, she dragged me into um, 
to I'm trying to go back to, to more specifically to your question. And I guess the best way to, to, to give an example is that first place that we went together way out when we had gear with us. And, and mm-hmm. that was kind of the, not only for me, the first day, and this would have been two years ago, almost to the week, uh, or, well, no, no, a little longer than that. But anyway, the first day when I finally said to myself, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit to this. I'm actually, I'm going to actually be that crazy. I'm going to do, I'm going to make this movie. Then it's, and I, and it's going to, it's going to change things for me no matter what. And I have to, I have to be willing to pull the trigger and not, you know, not go back. But that place, you know, to which we have been to many, many, many times over since. And it makes up a great deal of what we film, although we've been all over the state now. That particular place, which is between here and Eureka Springs, uh, okay. just just to tell you, is is gonna is always gonna be this mesmerizingly sacred place to us. And 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 it turns out that that actual place, when you do some research on it, it really was a a sacred healing ground to the tribes that used to live here back in the day. And there's an art, there are articles about this place. It's called, it's called hollow. And as these, these old incredible coves filled with bluffs and all kinds of other magic up on these coves through the tails of Beaver Lake. And back in the day, the tribes used to, it was a, it was saw, it was sort of known as a neutral ground, literally. And the different neighboring tribes could come to the Springs there the waterfall springs, which we've been to several times ourselves, and they could come there for healing and they would be undisturbed by the neighboring tribes and anyone and everyone could come in. And it was, it was a peace zone back in the day. This is real. And we, this is the place that we go more than any other. And we literally go out there and we take our shoes off and we get in that water and we do the thing. And it, we've been filming in this place ever since. And it is having the same effect on us. No doubt about it absolutely no doubt about it and people of course people go there all the time and people around that area that know about it it's a popular spot for mm. to visit it just takes a little doing to get there because you got to get in a paddle boat and you got to go through the mud oh. you know it's it takes a little doing you have to be able-bodied to get right. out there but that's i don't know if that's an example of kind of what your question was leading at but it, it, it changed it changed everything for me because i was like oh i've been here i've seen this this is this matches everything that's this is going to underscore our film. This is perfect, you know, uh, and it just set the tone for the whole thing. For that's us. a good, that's an awesome payoff for your efforts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah, the whole thing's been life changing. And I think if things go the way we hope, it'll change some more in the next few years. If we can get some traction, because we yeah. feel like our story can, uh, could really do some good if, if uh, we get enough people paying attention to it. And it sounds like you will. And from from your perspective, having done some lectures and having been involved in the process uh, from the beginning for yourselves, looking back from when you first started to where you are now, what advice would you have for those that are trying to get started in filmmaking or into photography? Um, Both categories are completely oversaturated right now so (laughs) i really don't have good advice for people i hate to say that other than do it i do Uh, it's a labor of love you know do it because you love it i do and um okay good (laughs) it's just 
I'm the yoga. I'm the yoga. I'm the yoga teacher. So I should. I should be the one giving it. By, I mean, I should be the one forced Please to do. anyway. So <laughs> anybody who's starting out wants to do it. That take take care of your own body first. Take care of yourself. Treat yourself better. Get rid of the the unnecessary toxins and poisons in your life. Get rid of the unnecessary distractions in your life so you can put all of that energy, no matter how hard it is, into that work that you really need to be doing and not the things that are distracting you in your life, but put every ounce of it. And there'll be days where that hurts and you wanna understand why you're doing what you're doing necessarily, but try it. Try it for 90 days. Try giving up five of the things that you have every day that you know that you really don't need and put all of that energy and all that money or whatever, whatever way you want to do it, make up your own plan, but do it and say, I'm compelled to do something now. I'm going to give something else up that I know is bad for me so I can do what I really want to do and what I really need to do and what spirit is calling me to do. That's I my I love life. that. I love mm. that. That is Good. solid. Thank you. Do it. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the key to getting started, right? Um, is is you have to start somewhere so mm -hmm. yeah i love that that was beautiful but you have to be okay with that it might be just a labor of love yeah and that it may that may be all you ever get out of it and so you have to be okay with that I and god knows and god knows that's happened to either both of us over and over and over and over again every artist your beautiful experiences that you have had out there in the woods and with the water and in nature and just with each other and the community and things like that you have gotten so much I've heard you this whole hour talk about how much you've gotten out of that alone whether you ever make it a documentary out of it or not whether you got a distributor or not you clearly did this because it was important to you and you got something out of it. And I think that alone is a good enough reason to do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Thank Dig you. It. Yes. Yes. Well said. Yeah, for sure. Like you can do art for you. Because mm -hmm. you it, it heals you because it makes you happy because it's beautiful to you. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be monetized or distributed. Although I'm thrilled that you guys achieved that. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And I We're can't. Hopeful. What's that? I'm sorry. We're hopeful. Yeah. Well, and I can't wait to see where this goes for you and what other awards you might win. And uh, this is very cool. And you're obviously very talented. And so what's next for you? Do you have other projects on the burner? Or? The, uh, the upcoming, uh, uh, I mentioned that we're, going to be up to our ears in getting the delivery of the documentary ready over the next month or so. And then the, our, our next sort of uh, mode of, of effort right in front of us is going to be building up a Patreon page so we can have it ready to go by the time there's a, you know, any kind of fan base starts to trickle in building up the, the, uh, the extra work. We, we, we're already to the point now where we've got over, we've got almost several hours of what we're calling meditative footage. We're taking, uh, hours of music that's been archived and and uh, nature footage has been archived and we're developing a series of meditative videos. That's one of the things that's going to be the one of the things that's going to be the uh, a, a foundational point of the Patreon page. So that's one of the next goals. And then, of course, whatever happens with the the promotion and the next steps with the promotion and, and marketing of the the film worldwide. 
okay. if, if, if it comes to that. Yeah. And maybe some more screenings and live shows, but not as a high priority. Because those things take a lot out of you, man. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's a lot. Very cool. That is awesome. Um, to make sure that our audience is able to connect with you in a couple different places, um, may I ask where is going to be the best place that they can connect with uh, both of you? Yeah, I mean, I have a I have an artist page on Facebook and a personal page, so you can look up first and last name for me on that. She Diana has a personal one, the Vimeo page to to view the stuff, and then her web her photography website, which you guys have. That's a good place yeah. to start. There is. There is an It's No Secret. There is a YouTube page as well. And it's in, in the title of it is It's No Secret, a documentary film. And there are some things on there too. There's some screening Q&As and some trailers. And uh, we'll be adding um, any related content to that YouTube page as well. There's some things on there now. That's perfect. Awesome. Well, um, everyone stay tuned uh, for the announcement whenever this film goes worldwide. Please go follow them. Please go enjoy their incredible film um, wherever it will be playing. Uh, keep up to date with them because we know we will. Um, but as we uh, close out tonight's podcast, I do want to thank both of you for being on. Um, and I would like to ask, not to put you on too much on the spot, uh, do you have a favorite quote? I'll quote myself from the film. Okay. Oh, okay. We are living in a movie. We'll leave it at that. Yes. that. Um, well, sincerely, um, uh, Paul, Diana, thank you so much for being on with us tonight. Uh, thank you, everybody. And mm, have a luminous day. Thank you. Yay, thank Namaste. you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Have a Bye. good day. Bye. 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 Hi, I'm Emily. Hi. <laughs> And hi, I'm Trey. <laughs> we want to tell you a little story about how we started this podcast. About a decade ago, Trey and I used to work together in a retail clothing store. The store that shall not be named Men's Haberdashery. And we really hit it off if you couldn't tell. Honestly, those were the days. So many jokes. Like Gary Busey. <laughs> and the announcements on the intercom. This is your captain speaking. And Gonzo! <laughs> we were hilarious. We are shamelessly, intensely self-aware of our own hilarity. Because we thought we were comedians, we figured we should have a podcast. But about what? I mean, since we both had a background in the arts, maybe something about that. Right. We thought because both of us are in fashion, also you were in costuming and photography, and me in singing, corporate espionage, and theater, it totally made sense. Hey, Plus, did I mean, you just say corporate espionage? Look, I signed an NDA. Let's move on. Okay. You know, it was like one of those things where you're like, let's start a garage band, and it's exciting, and then you realize that you don't really have a garage to practice in. And then years later, like eight years later, we decided to make it happen. We bought a proverbial garage. It's so nice in here. Mm-hmm. Do you want something from the mini fridge? Um, do we have anything chocolate? I got you. Yes! So, because we both love romanticism, we both love art, so it became the Modern Romantic Podcast. And here we are. Do you know what the best part of the story is? Uh, we finally came down to Earth and realized we aren't comedians. No! 
We get oh. to interview artful heroes and creators while inspiring others. Okay, yes, yes. Plus, we have a wonderful, supportive community. I love connecting people. Plus, we're still delirious. I mean, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Let's never lose that. Never. Never.